All right, we are in Matthew's Gospel, doing discussions in that. I was thinking back um, this week, when we first started the Disciple Center, we used Matthew um, as one of our first books to go through. And that time I was doing Matthew as Matthew for Disciples. Uh, the emphasis is a little different, content the same. Uh, this time with the discussions, it's really about us thinking through and applying it with a little bit of emphasis that this comes first to Israel and then by extension to us so that we don't uh, usurp in that context. Uh, in the last um, few texts, we've been looking at several themes uh, or foci that are in the, uh, in the, the gospel. Uh, one of those is the disciples' inability to understand what Jesus is saying and doing. And we've looked at how various people got Jesus wrong, uh, Herod being among them and, and the Pharisees to some extent. And we looked at um, little faith, not little faith in the sense of not having enough faith, but of seeing too short, not seeing the eternal things and seeing the temporal things and then uh, reacting to them rather than the truth. Today I want to talk about another um, theme that runs through uh, Matthew's Gospel, although it may not be quite as clear. I, it would be clear if I said the theme of hypocrisy, uh, but there are various things that lead to hypocrisy, and one of those is the problem of text and tradition. So I've titled this text and traditions. It's related to the understanding of doing the word of God or the commandments of God versus following the traditions uh, of Judaism and Christianity, which often contain traditions of men. So I want to talk about that. We'll see it throughout here. And it particularly shows up in today's text. Um, traditions fall into two categories. There are oral traditions that were given by Moses according to the scriptures and the prophets to Israel uh, and included in them for us are the oral traditions given by the apostles. Paul tells them, remember the traditions that we gave you whether by word or in, um, in writing. In other words, there was more given than just the biblical text in that framework. And so down through the history of both Judaism and Christianity, there is content that is passed down that, that was not written down but is passed down and is apostolic in nature or prophetic in nature. There is another uh, tradition uh, that developed through the rabbis and the sages in Judaism we see these in the, in the uh, Talmud. And by the church fathers and the reformers in Christianity, uh, in their writings, the apostolic constitutions, the Didache, uh, the writings of, of the uh, pre-Nicene fathers and post-Nicene fathers. And then, of course, the, uh, the reformers wrote as well. Uh, for Orthodox Jews and for Eastern Orthodox and Western Orthodox Christians. A lot of these writings, this tradition, has equal authority to the scriptures. 
They are almost continuations of scripture. And in some cases, the tail wags the dog in that the scriptures are viewed through those traditions and really not given an independent voice. Um, For non-Orthodox Jews, that would be conservative and Reformed Jews, and for Christians who come out of the Reformed tradition or out of the free tradition, uh, that those traditions are secondary to Scripture. That is, they are helpful, they can inform us to some extent, but they are not equal in authority to the Scriptures. That's really the meaning of the Reformation solo scriptura. They don't mean only Scripture. What they mean is only Scripture is the final authority. The other things can be helpful, but they have to be tested by the Scriptures in that sense. Um, Now, I take the view that the primary authority is... Uh, the scriptures, and that tradition must inform our understanding and practice, but we have to weigh through that tradition. Because I see tradition as being either biblical, non-biblical, or unbiblical. Let me explain those to you. Indoor plumbing is non-biblical. It's not unbiblical. We're not commanded against it. It's simply not talked about in Scripture. Youth pastors are non-biblical. We can have them, we can not have them. The Bible doesn't address that. But there are things in the Bible that that are in the traditions that are unbiblical. They end up violating what the scripture is telling us to do. And that's the warning we get from Jesus this week, where our traditions are not helpful to enhance the scriptures, but they actually uh, make the scriptures void. And that's the way Jesus will describe it. So we're going to look at that. If If it's biblical, obviously we want to follow it. If it's consistent with the Bible, but goes beyond, we're welcome to use that. Uh, But if it's unbiblical, we must reject it. So we're going to begin with a biblical tradition that is found in our text. Last week we ended in uh, Matthew 14, uh, verse 34. So I want to pick it up at that point. Uh, After the walking on the water episode... Matthew tells us, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. Now, Gennesaret is one of the names for the land and the lake that we call the Sea of Galilee. They have multiple names. This is one of the names that is done. You'll see it, Gennesaret. Sometimes you'll see it, Gennesaret, depending on what language they're they're drawing this from. So, Jesus goes there, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word... And all the surrounding district, and they brought to him all who were sick. Now, this is a common thing that happens with Jesus. Jesus is known to be healing people. And so, whenever he is found to be in town, people take their sick that haven't been able to be taken care of by the doctors uh, and whatever medical knowledge they had, and they come to him. And in most cases, Jesus is healing them. 
And they implored him that they might touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were cured. This is fascinating text. There are a number of times in the New Testament where Jesus' uh, garment is touched and people are healed. Where napkins or cloths are taken from Paul and put on the sick and they are healed. And where Peter's shadow touches the sick and they are healed. Now, the danger here is to think that it's the robe or the cloths or the shadow that's doing the healing. And when you do that, you move from faith into superstition. And when you move into superstition, you begin to think that the material items are the substance instead of the spiritual which is being manifest in and through them. Are you following me? That's a real important thing in tradition. And we'll see here that it's a problem in Jewish tradition. And it certainly is continued as a problem in Christian tradition. Now, what is going on here is, this is probably the tzitzit that Jesus is wearing uh, as a reminder of the commandments. God told Israel, if you keep the commandments, I will bless you, I will, I will make you well, I will take none of the diseases I put on Egypt, will I put on you. The idea was not the tzitzit, but the obedience to the commandments. Okay? All Jewish males were wearing tzitzit. But you couldn't touch the rabbi's tzitzit. You couldn't touch the priest's tzitzit. You couldn't touch your father's and be healed. But Jesus was manifesting a full blessing of total obedience uh, because he was tempted in all points like us, yet without sin. And so there is something unique going on here. In Numbers chapter 15, we get the commandment regarding this and what it's for. Uh, Verse 37 through 41. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel... Tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corner of their garments throughout their generations. And they shall put on the tassel of each corner a cord of blue. It shall be a tassel to remind you uh, to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord. So as to do them and not follow your own heart or your own eyes after which you played the harlot. So that you may remember to do all the commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who commanded you out of, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Now, what is the purpose of the tzitzit? The purpose of the tzitzit is to remind them of the commandments that they are to do them and not follow their own heart. The tzitzit are 
tied into 613 knots, as you see them here. And in the traditional one, there is a blue cord that is in there. Um, we don't have it on these. Part of this is about which die is appropriate. I don't want to get into that now. I want you to know what the tzitzit are for. They are there so that when you look at them, you are reminded that God has a call on your life. You are a chosen people, Israel. And the commandments are your sanctification. Every time a Jew does a commandment, a mitzvah, he is supposed to do a bracha. And the bracha is, blessed are you, or Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us by your commandments and commands us to, and then you recite whatever the commandment is. Okay? So it is a reminder because it's easy to just follow your heart and follow the circumstances and not do thus saith the Lord. That's its purpose. Now, I want you to keep that in mind because I want to talk about the Christian tradition that parallels it. In almost all things that that the early church began to do as it separated itself from Israel, is they began to see that they needed some of these same things and they became a, uh, a tradition. So the tradition that parallels the tzitzit, for a long time I was struggling with this, it was staring me right in the face and I didn't realize it because it's a little different but it has the same issue of making sure you don't follow your heart. You don't go your own way. What it is, is the uh, dawning of a cross. Very early in Christianity, Christians began to make the sign of the cross as they prayed. They began to make the sign of the cross as they uh, blessed one another. And they began to make the sign of the cross, in a sense, by wearing a cross over the heart with a reminder when they saw that cross, whether it was public or private, they saw that they were bought with a price and they were not their own. And they must follow the Lord. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Why? Because I can't obey, fulfill completely the commandments represented by the seat. And I will not boast in anything except the cross by which the world is crucified to me and I to the world. You see the meaning? It's the same meaning. You don't belong to the world, Israel. You belong to me. You will wear my commandments on your clothing and be reminded and you will walk in my way. I am the Lord. You are bought with a price, Christian, by the cross and the blood of the Lord Jesus. And therefore, you will not follow your heart and you will not follow the world. You will obey me and you will follow my ways. Very important. Now, can you turn tzitzit and crosses into objects of superstition? Yes. And you can wear them to be seen of men. This takes us back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. You can wear them to be seen of men, and when you do that, 
you demonstrate hypocrisy. You do them to remind you so that what God sees you doing is in secret before the Father, and the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Right? So, there is a false use of religious symbols. When we think that the symbol is the substance, it's not. Or when we think the display of the substance or the display of the symbol is all that matters, it doesn't. That becomes outward but not inward change. And so it's important to keep that in mind. Now, I'm going to go to the next text, which is Matthew 15, 1 to 9. But first, we're going to stop and see if you have anything you want to talk about related to that. Are we on? Okay. So, so obviously, it is the Spirit of God that heals. Jesus said, the works that I'm doing, I'm not doing. The Father in me, he is doing the works, right? So, but Jesus was manifesting the Father by a fully obedient life. They knew he was a Zodic. They knew he was a righteous man. And that he had come from God. Because he, he was healing people. And so they believed that just being in contact with him, even that least of things was a statement of faith, as you say, that, that God will heal. They weren't trusting in the tzitzit, right? This is what happens later as people begin to think there's a formula here, and if we just follow the formula, we'll get the same result. That's not faith, that's superstition. So I'm talking about what we do afterwards, not what particularly was happening at that point. To uh, verse 15, uh, chapter 15. Um, it says, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he said to them, Why do you transgress the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father and mother, Whatever I have that would have helped you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this you invalidate the word of God uh, for the sake of your tradition. You are hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. I want to talk about this really quickly, um, because it continues in the rest. And if we get too far in the discussion too soon, then I won't finish. And I want to finish, and then we can have a fuller discussion. So, uh, what happens here is... Jesus is asked about a tradition. Now, what's the tradition? The Pharisees and the scribes have a tradition that's still in Judaism today of washing the hands before you eat in a ritual sense. So they will take a bowl and they will take a, a basin, put the basin down, take the bowl of water, Pour it onto one hand, then take it and pour it onto the other hand, sometimes more than one. Pouring the hand to wash the hands. I'm about to eat food that I'm receiving as a blessing from God. Okay? That tradition 
was existent at the time of Jesus. It wasn't fully established. It would become fully established once the Pharisees rather than the Sadducees became uh, the authority in Judaism. Now, part of this is related to uh, trying to do things that remind them of what's done in the temple. The priest in the temple, before he goes into the holy place, washes his hands and feet. Uh, in that context. And Jesus will wash the feet of his disciples, right? So washing is part of tradition. But here they're saying, your disciples, Jesus, when they eat, are not washing their hands. Right? And Jesus doesn't even address the subject. He says, why do you violate the word of God by following your tradition? And he gives them an example. You are required to honor your father and your mother, not even speaking ill of them, and this involves taking care of them in their old age and in their need, as they cared for you. Paul talks about that in 1 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 5. So the idea is that you're supposed to care for them. Now, what they did is they had a tradition, and here was the tradition. If I take my property and I take my money and I dedicate it to God. It will, be, it will ultimately go to God. Now I can say to my mom and dad, I don't have anything. I can't help you. Because I've, it's Korban. I, I placed it as a, uh, a dedication to God. And Jesus says, you're, you're violating the word. By the way, if you dedicated all your property to God, why wouldn't it be used to honor your father and your mother? You see what the blindness is? There's a hypocrisy of acting like you're deeply spiritual, but you're not a doer of the word. And that's what he's talking about. Now, uh, what happens then is uh, Jesus now will call the crowd to himself. He calls the crowd and he says, now listen and understand. It is not one enters the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this is what defiles a man. Now his disciples come to him and say, oh, you're in trouble. Okay? Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard your statement? Because Jesus is not talking about the outside, what you're putting inside. He's talking about what's coming outside, out of the mouth. Right? And he said to them, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into the ditch. Now that ought to immediately trigger for you the parable of the tares. These are not the ones my Father planted. They're going to be uprooted by the angels at the end of time. Leave them alone. They will just continue to be blind and leading the blind. And they will trip over themselves. So don't be worried that they got offended. Now he's not talking about all Pharisees. He's talking about these Pharisees. Okay. So be careful about thinking this is Pharisaism. It's not. It's, it's this group. There, I could talk about the bad Baptists. 
And you could say that's redundant, or you could say, no, there are good Baptists and bad Baptists, right? There are people who are doing what they should do, and people who are doing what they shouldn't do in every group. And so we got to be careful when a group is bad and they have their label on, we don't paint everybody with that. So I want you to catch what happens then. So Peter says, well, then explain the parable to us. We don't get this. And Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth and passes into the stomach is eliminated? Now, and is eliminated in the Greek says, goes to the toilet. Okay? Talking very clear. Don't you understand when you eat something? Goes into your stomach. Stomach takes what it needs. And the rest goes to the toilet. But the things that proceed out of the mouth don't come from the stomach. They come from the heart. And those are what defiles a man. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Out of the heart comes murders. Out of the heart comes adulteries. Out of the heart comes fornication. Out of the heart comes thefts. Out of the heart comes false witness. Out of the heart comes slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. They have turned ceremonial holiness into holiness. That's not holiness. Ceremonial holiness without holiness is hypocrisy. It's doing the outside to give the appearance that you're obeying God. But you're not. You're not really thankful, but you say a prayer before you eat. You do the religious ritual to be seen of men, not thinking about your real heart. Am I really thankful? I need to be thankful. Maybe our prayer before a meal sometimes should be, and I've been thinking about this lately, Lord... I'm not thankful, but I should be, right? Or something like that. Uh, usually, and if you listen to some of the traditional prayers, Lord, make us thankful for this, your bounty that we're about to receive, right? So uh, we need to be thinking about not just going through the form, but thinking through the heart condition. The heart condition here is what Jesus is talking about. So the issue is not that you are not supposed to wash your hands. He's saying, it's the defiling is not coming from the food, and it's not coming from unwashed hands. He's not talking about hygiene. He's talking about holiness. It's coming from an unholy heart. Now, I want to uh, give you one more passage uh, in this context. Um, and that is Psalm 51. And then I'm going to let you ask whatever you want to ask and we'll be done. In Psalm 51, and you guys are familiar with this psalm. This is the psalm that David uh, writes after he is confronted by Nathan the prophet. And his sin is exposed uh, in the uh, adultery and fornication and murder uh, related to Bathsheba. So... David says this, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you're justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. I'm guilty. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin, my mother conceived me. Uh, and you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Now catch what David says here. I have a heart problem. I'm human. I'm breathing dirt. In sin, my mother conceived me. We have been in sin since Adam. I am part of that and it is, is my problem. So Lord, purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Do not take away your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. Change my willing to be uh, after you. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted. Look at verse 16. You do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Now watch this. So he's saying, God, you've got to change me. When you change me, by your favor, do good design, build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. God's not against the ritual. He's against the hypocritical ritual that pretends that we're righteous and we've got it all together when inside we know we don't. So the reality is that we should be a little more humble in our religiosity. I don't think we should get rid of it. There's a tendency on the more orthodox end of both Judaism and Christianity to live in the ritual and think that the ritual will cleanse the heart. It won't do it. And there's too much on the other end in the free church where they say, well, that's dead ritual, so I'm not going to do any of it. Right? I'm just going to believe in Jesus. The reality is we need to be humbling our heart, cleansing our heart, obeying God, letting God cleanse our heart. And as he changes our hearts to express that in the ritual that we do. And when that ritual is not expressing a changed heart, it's time to not do that ritual. And when the heart is then right with God, let that express again. In other words, it's, it's a little bit like this. When you were a little kid, your parents would say, okay, get out of those clothes, get dressed and put on some clean clothes. What if you didn't wash and you just put on clean clothes? So you're clean on the outside, but you're just as filthy and stinky on the inside, right? That's not what your parents were after. <coughs> they wanted you to take off the dirty clothes, cleanse yourself, and then put on the... Which is exactly what Paul says. We are to take off the old man, 
be renewed in our mind, the washing of the Spirit, and then put on the clothes of righteousness. That's the sequence. And it's a constant sequence because we're constantly getting in some need of cleansing. So each week as we come, we should be seeking that cleansing so that we will walk in clean clothes the following week. (coughs) So, I hope you see the Sermon on the Mount being expressed in these parables. The teaching and actions of Jesus are also manifesting that. But we have a heart problem. It has to be changed by humility and repentance. It requires the Spirit of God acting within us, making us clean. No ritual or religious act will do that. We must engage our hearts towards God, and then the the religious acts and the ritual will demonstrate, express, and reinforce, yes, and remind us in and through us in in their effectiveness. All right, questions on that. I got it done.